All right, well, thanks, you guys. I've been very, very excited about uh, tonight and glad that you're here. And if you're watching online, really glad that you're going to take in this information as well. Um, As Bryce mentioned, we're in a series called Winning the War in Your Mind. And it comes from a book by Craig Grishel. And we've already been taking a, a look at how every single human being, if you're human, there's a battle going on between these two ears. Everybody, right? We all know that? We're in. And so uh, Jesus told us that we have an enemy who's who's seeking to steal and kill and destroy our life and that he is the father of lies. Um, But Jesus said, I am the truth, and he's the light, and he overcomes that darkness. And so I I just want to really encourage you, if you missed the last two weeks, uh, to consider jumping back on our website. You can watch every message on k2thechurch.com or on our Facebook channel. Um, but look back at those messages to get these core truths that we've been looking at. And then I also want to really encourage you. Uh, I read this book, Winning the War in Your Mind, uh, back in March, and God used it profoundly in my own life. And uh, you will be able to get into much deeper and helpful uh, truth within that book than we'll be able to even give you in the, in the next weeks. But as we're putting this series together, we just realized that, man, there, every single one of us is dealing with, with this, this uh, battle inside of our mind. But we also know there, there come times where it's like, okay, the battle feels a little bit more intense. <laughs> and as we talked about that, we just thought, you know what? One of the most helpful things that, that's happened in my own personal life is when I've gotten to that point where I'm like, I need some, I would love some help. And getting some therapy from people who have been trained, who love Jesus and have, have been trained to do that has been so helpful for me. And so we were, that's where we're going to go today. And so you've already welcomed these guys with a round of applause, but now I want to give them a chance just to, to introduce themselves to you so you know who's going to be leading us today. So go ahead, Edward Peterson, kick us off. Okay. So feeling a little bit of anxiety here. Right? Good. That's perfect for our topic. Um, yeah, my name is Ed Peterson. I'm a um, licensed clinical social work worker. I've been in the field for about 20 years, um, and I have a private practice and I do psychotherapy with individuals, um, couples, families. Um, most of my work is with, is with couples with a type of therapy called emotionally focused therapy, which is a wonderful attachment-based therapy. Um, and I probably do um, a good quarter to half of my work with Christians, also with lots of people of other faiths. I spend a lot of time working with people in faith journeys faith challenges, um, and just sort of general mental health, and um, yeah. And Ed, you've been uh, K2 for a couple of years. I think, well, since two, 2004, is that 17? Yes, yeah, 17 years, 17 baby. Years. Wow. 17 years. Yeah, awesome. I, I was in the first, the first ever service, and he was hitting golf balls yes. out, wiffle golf balls out yes. into the audience. So look out today, look out today. I've gone to real golf balls now, so it should be more exciting. Anyway. All right, and this is Jennifer Squire. So, Jenny, yeah, go ahead and choose your I'm, I have a lot in common with Ed. I'm also a, a clinical social worker. I have an agency called Center for Christian Therapy in Cottonwood Heights, and we have seven therapists there. So I see mainly couples, but other people see different people. And, and I'm really trying to build the Christian counseling community in Salt Lake, so we're doing quite a few networking. You're invited to a party in December. And, um, and I love doing therapy. I, I just think that people are so fascinating. Like how God created every person so unique. And I just, 
I'm awed by people and um, just and how God redeems our brokenness. So that's why I do. I just love the story of God's redemption that is yeah, that I see in each individual person. So and I go to the Rock in Sandy or Draper, and um, which yeah. is so cool for the for those of you guys who know, don't know. The beautiful thing about being here with Southeast is in 17 years of existence, K2 has always shared a building, <laughs> and our first partner was the Rock, and yeah. so which was. Yeah. Fantastic. And so, Jen, thanks so much for being here. Yeah. All right. And then we got Brennan, Brennan Young. So, Hi, everybody. My name is Brennan Young. Um, I'm the new one up here, I guess. Uh, my family and I moved to Utah about four years ago, and we've been coming to K2 ever since that time. Um, I'm a child psychologist, and uh, it, it's been a little bit of a circuitous route to get up to this stage today, but uh, I did my training out at the University of Denver and the Children's Hospital in Colorado, and so I have um, most of my training done in hospital settings. Uh, we were out in Minnesota at Mayo Clinic for um, a few years, and then I started a practice, uh, well, yeah, I started a practice up in uh, northern Wisconsin, actually, and when my wife got uh, a call to move out here for her job, uh, I moved my entire practice to telehealth. And so I still provide telehealth services back to the families in northern Wisconsin um, practicing out there. So I really enjoy working with kids and families, and um, I guess the passion that drives me in my work is coming alongside families and helping them to build strong kids, build strong families, and hopefully try to prevent um, some of the mental health issues that, that um, a lot of people deal with. And, and keep kids on the right track. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's start with this question, you guys. So what, when you're, you know, for all of us in our own personal life, right, we're, we're looking in the mirror. <laughs> we're all dealing with this stuff all the time. But eventually, what, what are some of the symptoms? What are some of the things that we should be looking for that would maybe say, okay, I, I think maybe I'm diving more into, into mental health issues. Brennan, what, what, give us a couple things there. So, it can be very individual, and, and so we have to, we have to um, kind of be thinking about a couple of different issues. Um, first of all, with my practice, right, I do a lot of prevention and trying to, to really build a lot of health, and so there's a lot of focus on what can we do to stay healthy, to keep our thoughts, our emotions healthy and strong. But you're right, sometimes there's, there are situations where um, it really becomes distressing for somebody. The anxious thoughts, the, the depression that comes, um, you know, some of, some of the uh, symptoms that come along with trauma can be very, very distressing for a lot of uh, kids and, and adults. And it's just painful to experience those sorts of things. And when it, it gets to the point that it, it, it's just really bothering somebody, that, that we know is it's becoming a problem, right? The other thing that um, I like to think about is um, how much is it interfering in our daily lives? If I can't go to work, if I can't go to the store, if I can't um, play with the kids because I'm too tired, I'm too depressed, I'm too anxious to go out, and all of a sudden I'm not able to do life the way that I need to or the way that I want to, then I know that this is becoming a problem. Cool. That's really helpful. Ed, you, you had mentioned a couple things, too, that it's not just a one-time thing, but, like... Sure. I mean, yeah. the, part of the perspective that I have is one of the 
reasons that I even went into this field, a big part of it was for me dealing with my own issues. And the hardest thing in my life has been dealing with depression and anxiety. Those two things have always kind of gone together. And like a lot of therapists, I think that was part of trying to figure things out. And when I started to have you know, some success, then I had the desire to help other folks. But on this question, what I always think about for, for myself and clients is if like we, we all get sad, we all get anxious, we all get nervous, we all have fears, right? But it's like was said, if it's starting to make it so you can't do what you want to do or you need to do, um, and for me, it's like days. Like for me, if I'm having a bad day, that's one day. You know, I could be anxious or depressed for one day. But if it's two days, it's three days, it's four days, or if it's a, over a two or three weeks, and you're like consistently, you know, really down and you can't get out of it, it feels like you're stuck in the mud. Like, yeah, then for me, I know like this is not just a bad day. This is something really chemical that I need to address and, um, but it can kick in, you know, in a couple, two or three or four days. So as we were, as, so when we got together and we decided, you know, I just, I was just asking questions and, and hearing from them and learning from them. Uh, an illustration popped up that I think might be helpful today. I'm an education major actually. So I majored in secondary education. I wanted to teach high school uh, social studies, everyone's favorite subject and, uh, and, uh, and coach football, right? And so, um, and I'll ne- in one of our education classes, we actually had to, you know, take our field, what our topic was, and we had to teach everybody else. Well, the phys ed guy got up, who has all the fun, right? That's what I should have majored in. And he got up and he said, I'm going to teach you guys how to juggle today. And I'm like, that is so cool because I, I can't, I could never juggle. Can I ask you, how many of you in this room cannot juggle? Okay, okay, okay. So... <laughs> so, it, but it was great because I mean, literally, there's 30 of us in this class, right? And and he gave all of us three tennis balls, and it was so cool, man. So after the class, and I went back to my dorm room, and all night long, I just kept going and going, and then, and eventually, it's like, look at that, man! Oh, yeah. Woo! Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Brennan, come on, baby! All right, you got this. Here you go. Okay, Give it a shot. I watched you. <laughs> I, I know how to do this. Oh! <laughs> all right, all right. Excellent choice. Excellent try. Well, you should have seen this because in, my, in, my, in our classroom, literally 30 people with three tennis balls, and none of us knew what was doing. What was going on in that classroom? Chaos. It was total chaos. And what we realized as we were trying to figure out, what do we want to share with you guys today, was this realization that when you deal with mental health, it's not one thing. And and many of us, we we try to tackle it with one thing. And and those of us in this room, many times it'll be our faith, right? But it's more than that. So again, Brent, do you want to just hit that juggling like uh, illustration a little bit more, and then we'll dive into these things. It's, It's when we're dealing with mental health, there are a lot of balls to keep up in the air. Actually, this idea, we started talking about it based on what Rachel Wilford had said, introducing this series, where there's a whole bunch of puzzle pieces, she had said. And each one of these pieces is important to living a healthy, strong, happy life. And without one of those puzzle pieces, it's just not complete. And, and we need all of these pieces, whether it's 
physical health, whether it's um, sleep, whether it is uh, medicine, therapy, family, friends. There's all sorts of puzzle pieces that we all need. And as we were thinking about that idea of, of uh, you know, all these puzzle pieces fitting together, the idea came that it's also a lot like juggling. And each one of these balls that we have to keep up in the air is important for the, for the juggling. But when we're just starting to try to manage our mental health, it's very hard to juggle more than just one ball at a time. And it's very easy to drop them. And we, and, and we get some momentum, we say, okay, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat this anxiety, I'm gonna beat this depression, I'm, I can do this. I'm gonna get all the pieces together and I'm gonna juggle. And you start juggling and the balls just drop. And, and it's demoralizing, it's defeating. And we can feel very guilty, like, why can't I do this? Everybody else has got their lives together. I see it on Facebook all the time. <laughs> Everybody's happier than I am. Everybody's better at this than I am. I just keep dropping these balls. And that's why we need people around us. We need a system. We need family. We need friends to help us throw, to throw us the ball, to help keep the balls up in the air as we're learning. And I, I bet, Dave, it took you some time to learn how to juggle. You did not just stand up and do that, or else I feel really bad about myself, right? <laughs> right? But once you practice, as you, as you keep working at it, you get better. It gets easier, and the balls stay up in the air more naturally. Awesome. So we're gonna, here, here's some of the balls that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about physical health. We're going to talk about medication. We're going to talk about therapy. We're going to talk about the importance of relationship, and then obviously about our faith. Um, but, uh, Jenna, you, you said something really helpful. That instead of what can happen is we can look at the, okay, here's my five things I have to do, and look at them through a lens of, of these are disciplines. But you said instead we should be looking through these through the lens of comfort. Can you kind of give us that overarching umbrella before we dive in? Sure. I was um, thinking about 2 Corinthians 1.4 says that um, God is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others in their trouble because of the comfort he gives us. So that's a lot of comfort words in that one verse. And um, really, I think we are made, we are created to depend on him and each other. And so we regularly need comfort, especially when we're suffering. And sometimes um, churches historically has, you know, because we're teaching, we like to teach in simple ways. We, we like to make things simple. And sometimes that teaching can come across as very, instructive or like you need to be more disciplined and we start to think in these legalistic ways but if we um, allow ourselves to need comfort and then seek out good sources of it um, I think that's really powerful that's how God brings us closer to him and each other and so you might beat yourself up for not exercising and we all know that you need exercise but that's not what we're talking about today. Really, you need these things to feel better. I encourage couples to, because um, I do a lot of couples counseling, to reach out for each other. God has given you a source of comfort really close to you. We just don't reach out sometimes. So, Let's go one step further on that one. This okay. whole idea about dependence. That, that, that we, like you, you've been saying, like we, we feel like we should be able to do this. <clears throat> I should be able to get over this. And yet, mm -hmm. that goes against, the, you said that, that goes against the very, way of creation. God actually created us to depend on him yeah. and to need each other. Yeah, and I think when we, we like to get rid of suffering so that we can be independent and not need people. But 
really our suffering can kind of draw us um, to each other. There was a time in our life about, our family's life, about four years ago, that was very, uh, it was kind of a family crisis because um, we had adopted our youngest, he'd moved from Africa, and we were having such a hard time. The whole family was in chaos and lots of distress. And, you know, we would pray that this would, um, we'd pray for these things. And it's easy to get frustrated when things aren't improving, but with traumatized people and family, things don't get better that quickly. But I had this one friend who could see the distress. She came over every week for a year and just took two of my kids. And um, it was just such a, that was so transformational because not that she was like taking a huge load off, even though it was helpful for a couple hours, but she was a source of comfort and she was willing to stick it out like every week for a friend for a year to get me through that stage and that's the kind of dependence we really can you know we hate to do that to like need somebody every day but that's how god made us and that's how he created the world so all right, and we'll, we'll touch that on that a little bit more, but I just, I just wanted to give that overarching sense of, of how are we even going to look at this as we go through. So let's hit, let's hit just our physical health, and why is physical health important with mental health? Can we take that one, too? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes we've kind of compartmentalized spirituality, mental health, and our bodies, but really they're all one. And so when you are feeling stuck, like... If uh, you know a couple is feeling stuck doing the same fight all the time, or you're feeling stuck in your body image, or you have the same things that you're just going over and over in your mind, or you keep losing relationships, all of these are symptoms that something is wrong, right? And you have to consider your body just as well as your mind. So um, food impacts us, exercise impacts us, sleep. Ah, people don't pay attention to sleep nearly as much. So I'll have people that I've been seeing for two years or whatever, and they're like, ah, something's still wrong. They're not communicating very well. And then I realize they haven't been sleeping for the last week, and there's no way they can talk together. You know, so these are really foundational things. If you're not taking care of your body, you're going to have some mental health problems. So I, I kind of think of that sometimes as like a pyramid, right? And, and we do very... Um, the therapy piece that we do, the fancy stuff, right, is like at the top of the pyramid, right? It's the, it, it's the, it's the real uh, uh, fancy piece, but it doesn't cover much. The base of that pyramid is all of our, our physical needs, right? If, if we're hungry, it's hard to be happy. <laughs> if we're tired, it's hard to be happy. If, if we're just not feeling well in our body, it, we're, just not, we're just not feeling good. And, and what I have found, I don't know if you guys have found this or not, but in therapy with kids, it doesn't matter what kind of therapy we do for how long or how good of a therapist I am. That, none of that matters if they're not sleeping well. If they're tired, throw therapy out the window. It's not going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. For relationships, too. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think that I would add to that is that that's, it's part of the tricky part of this is that most of us know or we're told by someone, if we're feeling anxious or feeling depressed, that if we go exercise or if we eat better, if we do these things, that we'll, it's good, right? That we should do that. And the challenge, and we'll talk more about this in the 
therapy apart for a, for a lot of us if you are suffering right it's like you do know these things the problem is that you don't want to do them <laughs> right and the problem is is the enemy is going to hit you with all kinds of shame and hit you with all all these feelings that are going to just pound you into the ground and you're and you're going to feel you know this big and and that's why it's so true and we do and we will always try to help people and ourselves to take the physical part of this seriously right mm -hmm. but it's also important to remember that like if you're really feeling terrible it's kind of normal that you're going to eat cheetos and that you're going to not want to go to the gym which is the opposite of what you should do <laughs> right but the cheetos feel good they man. do it's feel good that's right a source of comfort but it's just you know just to normalize this cuz we don't we don't want to have this session just add more on your plate to say, well, if you just do these things, then you're not going to suffer, right? Because that's not how it works. Thanks for saying that, Ed, because I hope you guys will hear this as we go through the whole thing. Part of the beauty for me as I listened to these guys last week was this realization that it's all of these balls, right? So again, if, we, if you're struggling on the, on the physical you know, eating and taking care of your body, that's like, that's like one, that's just one ball. It's just one piece of the of this puzzle, one of the things we're trying to juggle. Let's dive into the next one, which is also physical, and that is medication. Okay, so uh, Brandon, go ahead and kick us off on that one. Like, what? Let's let's talk because I I can just I know this. Like, growing up, uh, my age, I'm 56. My generation growing up, I, I never even heard of medication. I didn't even know about it. Um, so when it first kind of came out, you're like, oh, that's weird. And and now today, hopefully for all of us, it's not. Okay, but I, I'd just love for you to, t to touch on this for us. I agreed to talk about this because I don't actually practice in Utah, so um, that way I don't make anybody angry about <laughs> <laughs> what I have to say about medication, right? No, um, it, medication and taking medication for mental health is uh, seriously like a, a lightning rod topic. You're either for it or you're against it. And honestly, for some people, it, it is excellent. It is needed. It is, it is part of getting back on your feet and doing well. And other people, they don't need that. But it's definitely one of those balls that we can juggle that can be very helpful um, if you're struggling with mental health. Um, when, when one of the, one of the antidepressants, one of the most, you know, some of the most common antidepressants that are out there work on a chemical in our body called serotonin. And um, it, it will affect the serotonin in our brain but this goes back to what we talked about physical, right? 95% of the serotonin in our body is generated in our gut. That's where it all comes from, right? But just like somebody who has diabetes and their pancreas is not producing enough insulin, sometimes there are people who just are genetically born predisposed to not producing enough serotonin. And then they're going to feel that. It's going to affect their mood. It's going to affect their anxiety. God gave us tools that we can use that can help in a situation like that. Mm -hmm. Just like he did when we discovered that we can use insulin injections to help someone with diabetes um, uh, with their blood, their blood sugar levels. Okay? We've got a tool that we use when they're struggling with that. We have a tool that we can use that can increase different neurotransmitters of the brain that help people to feel better. And, and it's a mind-body connection. It's part of a holistic treatment approach for people who are struggling with anxiety, depression, all sorts of different issues. And one of the things I love, I don't know which one of you said this, but <clears throat> like obviously taking, you know, so what we're talking about, right? Here, we're gonna get to this. Because as we talked about this, we, we, 
we really do believe deeply that Jesus is the one who can heal us. But what we realize is sometimes we have all these other things that are hindering us from even getting to Jesus. <laughs> and, and then we think, oh, my faith, I'm a horrible Christian because I can't get better. It's like, no, you just, your, your body is messed up. And you are, as you said so beautifully, we are physical and emotional and intellectual and spiritual beings. But one of you guys said this, so medication doesn't change your core beliefs, <laughs> but it helps you get to those core beliefs. Because sometimes we can't even get to the fight in here because of this physical messed up that's going inside. I thought that was a beautiful thing. Yeah, um, speaking for someone who has gotten a lot of benefit in my life from uh, psychiatric meds, um, there have been times in my life when I've taken them, times when I have not, but I, I was lucky to have a family at an early age that was very pro, very supportive of that, right? Not that it was the only answer, but that it was put out there as something that could help. And the way that I look at it, and we'll probably get to this at the end, is that in my walk with Jesus and in my issues with mental health, it really comes down to, can I reach for Jesus? Meaning, can I, in that moment of need, can I have that thing that allows me to pray to reach out? Because my experience is that whenever I reach out and do that, he's always there, right? And so for me, medication... Um, and therapy and also um, social connections have helped me to get to a place where I feel like I'm just, I'm strong enough or I'm healthy enough that I can then um, be in a state of mind to accept the love and the joy that's already there. But if I'm not, if I'm not even at ground level, it's like there's a, it's like there's a roof over me and I can't feel Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, a, a person very, very close to me. Um, cannot be more committed to Jesus. I mean, loves him with all of her heart um, and has studied and, and knows the scriptures inside and out and has nothing but a lot. I mean, she, you know, she's intense and she went, and yet she just, the, the, the emotions would become so heavy and so dark, and she goes, but I'm supposed to be at peace, and I'm supposed to be free, and I'm supposed to be full of joy, and, and, but I can't, and I'll never forget, we were talking on the phone one time, and, and then she said, she finally just looked at me, she said, Dave, and then I found out all I needed was this stupid little pill, because her faith was there, but her body needed that. So I just want to make sure that we just understand that we, there's, just, there's no shame in that, man. Like, there's no, there's no reason, and I love how you start off, Brennan. It's not for everybody, and there's different opinions on that, but we just wanted to make sure that, that I, I'm just thankful to God for the, all of the medical community, for the unbelievable gift of science. Mm -hmm. All science does, you got is study the body that God created mm -hmm. <laughs> and find out the beautiful things that he's done, and he's given people insight to help us. So, all right, so let's move on to the next one, and, and that's therapy. And, and I, I know for me as a pastor, I'm just going to tell you, it's so, it's not funny at all, but, I, but the number of people who will come to me, especially relational, when it's relational, as you two, I'm sure, experience, um, but we wait so long. We wait so long. We wait till it's almost like I can't do anything to actually get help. And still these days, I think people struggle with the stigma of, of, of therapy. And we, I just want to say, 
We, I think it's beautiful. That's why you guys are here. So, Ed, kick us off. Let's, let's talk about this as one of the balls, just one of the balls we juggle. When, when is it time to get therapy, and what's the help with that? Right. And, again, I've been on both sides of that because I've had times in my life when I was suffering, especially in my like, late teens and 20s, suffering, but just didn't want to ask for help. And just there was something inside me that, because I felt like asking for help was weak. It was about weakness, and I came from a sports background, and I wanted to be competitive, and just asking for help didn't work, right? Well, when you get sick enough and you suffer enough, finally you ask for help. And over the years, I learned um, that there are so many options. There are so many wonderful people, therapists, psychiatrists, you know, people who know, people who spend their whole life preparing to help people like us, right? And, um, and there are you know, probably two or three or four people in my life that I've worked with as either therapists or like a life coach who have been instrumental for me. And so that's the same thing that I encourage my patients and, and, and my clients is to first get over the, the thought that you're supposed to do this on your own because you can't. When it gets really tough, you can't. And that to know that it's like the smartest thing you could do is to raise the red flag and say, I need help. And there's so much help out there that, um, you know, that's like pr probably w one of our frustrations is that people wait so long to come in, right, to get help. Because therapy, there are so many great types of therapy that help and they, and they fit with the Christian message, um, but so m many of us just fight it. Yeah, and I think I'll just say, finding a therapist is sometimes kind of hard. So I encourage people, when you're stuck, it's a great time to look for therapy, you know, if you're stuck with something, but it's, it's not something you just say, go find a therapist, because it's challenging, especially right now, therapists are full. Our city is just bursting at the seams with problems and not quite enough Christian therapists. So I just encourage people to take it on as a process and pray about it. You know, I, to find a therapist for myself, you can imagine, I'm pretty picky. And so I had to pray for like 10 different things that would qualify in a therapist for me and God answered that prayer. So I think it does take, um, it takes praying for one and it takes several tries for most people, you know. You leave a message, and then they might not call you back. You end up, go to a therapist, and you don't like them. And you just keep trying. Or there's other options. You know, there's biblical counselors. There's life coaches. There's friends. There's better help now. They're going crazy. And um, I think it's just kind of a, a process to find good help. Yeah, and, and I, can I just say, don't give up, too, yeah. when that happens. I've, I've had that. Yeah, I've yeah, met yeah. with somebody, you know, before, and going like, yeah, we're not going there again, yeah. right? It's kind of like a bad first date, right? Somebody well, sets you up, and it's like, man, I know you think they're great. They're not great for me. And that's okay. That doesn't mean the therapy's not great or helpful. So, well, and, just, and the thing that, but that I would just add is also be really aware that we are living in a, we're living in a war, and the enemy is going to do everything that he can to get you not to connect with that person. And I've seen it over and over again the challenges that people go through when they're trying to find a therapist. Things happen and people miss appointments and it's like you just have to pray so hard and have so much faith because you should expect that if you're getting close to something that's really gonna help you, 
the enemy is going to be fighting really hard at that point to help you not get it. I, I was just going to say, not to, not to uh, beat the point again, but um, it, my job really as a therapist is to help people learn to juggle, right? To keep those balls in the air. And if I'm starting to do that, starting to learn how, I'm not going to ask my friend who doesn't know how to juggle either, how do, <laughs> how do I learn to juggle? I'm going to go to Dave, right? I'm going to go to someone who knows how, who's studied, who's practiced, who knows how to help and is an expert in that. I'm going to learn from him and then I'll, I'll learn how to do it properly. That's good. Hey, so a question for you guys. Uh, we had a question come in. It's like, how do, you, how do you broach the subject with someone that you love, that's in your life, that you care about, who you think may need to take a step to actually get some help? Mm -hmm. any, any ideas there? Yeah. Um, I don't think you have to work too hard to broach the subject because people that are struggling, it always comes up. So um, you just need to be watching for it. Somebody's got a complaint or a problem or something that's happening, and I'm encouraging the church to see themselves as a source of comfort. If you're a source of comfort, people trust you. But then when you're seeing something that's over and over happening in somebody's life, I think there's a few things I can think of. Um, a lot of times people are struggling in such a way that will push your boundaries. And so boundaries are a good thing to think about. Um, and there's some really good resources out there to help you have good boundaries with people who are struggling with mental health issues um, and also have resources in mind. So there's some, there's resources on my website. I'm sure you guys have some resources. Knowing some books or some referrals because sometimes people get discouraged if you're suggesting they need help but you don't have anything to offer. And I would say come alongside them and stick it out with them while they look for help. Okay, well let's, let's, and that leads us into the fourth ball uh, that we need to juggle if we're going to, and that is the need for relationship. And um, I, I just remember Larry Crabb in one, in one of his books, he actually said, he goes, 90% of the people who come to me, he said, would never have to come to me if they just had somebody that they could be honest with who was a safe person, who would love them and tell them the truth. Right, the full of the glory of Jesus is He's full of grace and truth. Um, so let's just talk about the importance of this right here: community, family, a friendship, and the church, and why and why relationships are important, and and how we can encourage and support each other. Well, yeah, I I would say one thing on that to go back to how to talk to someone who is struggling, or someone who's sharing with you that they're struggling, how that relates to community, right? Is that the first thing is to be really curious and be willing to spend some time because if someone's saying some things that are really distressing and, and they're ra raising red flags for you, it's good to ask more questions like what's going on and be able to spend a little bit of time doing it because you can't do that quickly. That's not just a conversation as you're walking through the hallway. Hey, how are you doing? Great. Oh, you're struggling. Oh, good luck with that. I'll pray for you. Right. <laughs> that one doesn't work. Um, and, um, and so, because what we do need, and it's ironic, that, that the thing that you need the most when you're depressed or anxious or having mental health issues is connection with other people. I mean, it's been studied that that's what we need, right? But you're also most likely to not reach out for it when you're feeling that way. And so that's why we need to come around, like you're saying, 
Jen, and, and, and come around people and encourage people to connect, um, find, you know, f and, and, encourage, and in, encourage people who are struggling to, to reach out. I know for me, again, that's a big part of how I stay healthy is I <clears throat> talk to people. I call people all the time. I have a lot of people, my, my friends probably get bothered by me because I call them so much, but I just have to do it. But the problem is, is by nature, we tend to not, especially if we need something, we tend not to uh, reach out. And so that's, it's a hard one. We need, com com we need com community, but why don't we do it, right? And I think, you know, we are made with um, compassion, but that makes it hard for us to endure pain in other people. So we do need to accept that life is full of suffering and, and really not avoid each other's pain. Um, but like, especially a lot of men that I know, um, when their wives are suffering, it is so hard to watch somebody suffer. You just want to relieve it so badly. And that's a good thing. That means you're a caring, compassionate person to want to relieve suffering. But we can be a little bit too anxious about that and try to avoid it and make it go away before we really understand and discern what's going on. So, um... That's why I use the word comfort. If you can see your role as a comforter in community, you can then embrace pain. You can, you can be close to it. You know what to do with it. We can just be there for each other. You know? Anybody here um, enjoying watching The Chosen? Uh -huh. it's, it's awesome, right? One of the things that I love the most about watching The Chosen right now is watching the relationships that Jesus sets up. When he, when he started his ministry, he's creating a network of people to love each other, to support each other, to pull each other through hard times. He used his ministry to teach people how to love each other and how to be together and how to live this difficult, hard, messy life together. That was the whole purpose. Um, there was a scene recently in season two that was great where Mary Magdalene kind of backslid a little bit and she, she um, got herself into some trouble and into a hard place and it took... Matthew and Simon to go and get her, her friends, the people who cared about her, came around her, told her they cared about her, reminded her who she was, what thoughts she needs to have in her mind to focus on, and pulled her back into the fold. That's what we need. That's community. That's us helping each other, knowing how to live. It's, it's how God designed us to be social creatures like that. Hey, so, so one thing I, I, I want to say is how important, based on what Ed was sharing, how important it is that you get in community now. I, I don't know about you guys. When I'm feeling dark, I'm with you, man. The last thing I'm doing is asking for help. Because that, that, that's shame, right? Shame always causes you to hide. In fact, uh, in the earlier, Steve Andrews, you guys, by the way, Steve, raise your hand. Uh, this is Steve and Paul. Steve is a... Hey the lead pastor of Kensington Church who planted K2. So the only reason we exist is because of this guy and his wife over there. Um, and, uh, and I've shared outside of Susie, you know, uh, that Steve is just one of the most absolute important people in my life. And, and he was my guy, right? But I want to tell you, spiritual battle is real. And I remember at a, uh, years ago, we were going through an incredibly difficult time. And, and I needed him, you know, and so I was calling him and calling. And then finally, finally, I, the, the thoughts in my head were like, I, you know, I went, I grabbed my phone and I went to dial him and I go, 
he's going to get his phone and go, oh, God, it's Nelson again. And I bought it. So I didn't call him. And the lie just got deeper and deeper, and I was absolutely convinced he wanted to have nothing to do with me anymore because I was just a pain in his butt. And uh, so finally, after about a year, I, I told him. I said, man, I just need to let you know, man, I, I just stopped calling you because I just, I, and he was like, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> so I just want to tell you, when it gets dark, you, you need people in your life who are actually going to, to, to see it. Uh, you know, Mike Rutledge, you know, we've been on staff for 17 years ago. I can't tell you the number of times we've gotten out of a meeting and then he'll, he'll call me later, about an hour later and go, dude, are you okay? Because he can tell I'm not, right? See, he, he knows I'm not okay because we know each other. And so then he takes the initiative, and this is what I'm talking, he takes the initiative. You've got to be, you've got to have people around you in your life who will actually be able to see that you're struggling. And then, hey, all of us who are in relationship with people, when you see that somebody's struggling, that, hey, man, I'm praying for you. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. Because most of us don't when we say that anyway. Really, actually do something and take it. I'm telling you, yeah. it is, it's, it's hard, and you're right, and it's going to be painful, and you know it, and it's going to take your time, and you're not going to fix them. That's not what I'm asking. Please don't fix me. Just be with me. You be see, with me in, in, in that tension and in that struggle. So if you're not in relationship right now, and then you're in a dark place, like, we got to get in it now mm-hmm. so, we, so that when the darkness comes, not if, but when, we're, we're there for each other. Right, and what I was going to say is that I like the image, like the difference between that passing someone in the hall and saying, hi, how are you doing? Oh, you're struggling. Okay, good luck. I'll pray for you, right? The difference between that and sitting down next to someone in a chair or on the bench and just saying to yourself, I'm going to sit here for five or ten minutes because it will be, it, it, it will be, what's the word, not unpleasant, but it, it, it will throw you off your schedule, right? Because we all want to be here. But when someone's hurting, we should all have the prayer in our hearts of like, Lord, help me see if someone's hurting and then sit with them. Like you're saying, not trying to fix it, not trying to give them a lot of, you know, ideas. It's that spending that time being with them. Because when people have done that with me, it makes all the difference. There's something about the time and being with them, having someone give you a hug that makes the huge thing. And I was just gonna say the last piece on this is that that's what, um, what I think about mental health and the gospel here is that we can make a big difference if we will, one, if we will make it okay for people to not be okay. Like if you're struggling and if you're anxious and if you're depressed, like join the club. A lot of us are in that, right? And, and, and so just know that it's, it's okay and it's normal and it happens, right? But then we can be there for each other in a different way. Awesome, thanks, Ed. So let's, let's last, last thing here as we, as we close. So all these things, as we, when, I, when you guys were sharing with me uh, together, it's like, we are trying to get to Jesus, you know? And again, but, they, but the, the faith is one of, these, one of these huge balls. So as Christian therapists, dealing with so many people and helping them. Let's just talk about that. Brennan, just, just kick us off, man. What, where's, where's faith, Jesus, the gospel, playing this for you? And, and, and So in my, in my practice, um, 
it's not set up as a Christian counseling center. I work in a uh, large medical health system, kind of like Intermountain Health would be up in Wisconsin. And so some of my families that I work with are strong Christians, and we can talk about that um, and, and make their faith uh, and my faith um, part of what we address and um, add it as one of those balls that, that I'm teaching them how to juggle. Some of my families that I work with are not, and they don't have that faith, and they didn't come to me asking for faith. They came to me at looking for some way to help their kids feel better, to get along better, to improve the family system. And um, what I have noticed in my practice, comparing those families, is that the families who have strong faith have hope. That is one strong component that makes therapy work, that helps people to get better, is having hope. Hope that there is a God who loves them, who can heal them, who will walk beside them. Hope that after death, we're going to have a life with, with our Lord and Savior. Hope that there's more than this suffering in this life. And the other families that I see, they don't have hope. They're just trying to kind of feel a little bit better for a while before they die. It is stark. And I think that that faith of knowing our God, knowing our Savior, and, and just the hope that comes with that uh, makes a huge difference in being able to walk through this life and to, and to do it well. Hey, and I, and I did forget, and I want to hit it right now. Brennan does work with, with kids, and we actually are going to be providing a seminar for parents um, that, that Brennan's going to lead. And I, I can't encourage you enough, but you just want to hit a little bit about this. Like, I love what you say about working with kids. Yeah, so it, it's a, I find that it's a little bit of a different ballgame when we're working with kids, right? Earlier in, in one of the, the first or the second of this series, we talked about strongholds and, and the thoughts that we have come from the beliefs, the core beliefs about ourselves that we hold. And if we can change our thoughts, we can, we can then go back and change some of our beliefs. Kids are just developing those strongholds. They're not made yet. Their beliefs about themselves are just developing and being fashioned according to what happens to them out in the world, at, at recess, in math class, out with their friends. Those are the things that are happening to them now that are forming those core beliefs. Kids come ready-made with people, families, right? Parents, aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas. It's those of, those of us adults in those positions around those kids who can help them form those beliefs, who help teach them the thoughts that, that, will, that are true about themselves and about the world and about their God. We can start building that stronghold now so that there aren't problems later down the road. That's kind of our job. And so I'll be talking a little bit about what I've learned in my practice, some of the skills that I use, some of the things that I teach families to go and help, their, their, help those families build those strongholds uh, around, around their kids so we can have happy, healthy kids growing up. Yeah, so guys, uh, Sunday, it'll be Sunday night, um, November 21st. So we're going to do it right while we're having our youth meeting here, 6 to 8 o'clock. Um, Brendan will be meeting with parents. And that means if it doesn't matter what age uh, that your kid is, well, it'll be helpful for you. Okay, Jenny, hit us about faith and, and Christ and, yeah. and what that means for you in this. I, I think when you're struggling, um, we just need the Holy Spirit so badly. Like you can't be convicted of sin and truly repent and change without the Holy Spirit. You know, you can't 
find real hope and love and guidance and peace without the Holy Spirit. So this, figuring out how to, like, what, what God's voice, what the Holy Spirit sounds like, and also understanding what the voice of the enemy is like is really helpful. Like, Satan always speaks in discouraging, cynical ways. So as soon as I hear myself saying something like, I'm giving up on somebody, I know where that's coming from, right? Like, that is not a justified position. But God always speaks mercy and peace and joy, and, and I need those in those moments. I, I, like, cling to Bible verses when I'm struggling. So I, I think it's like, it is life, right? Like, that is our source of life. And, and I, I just want to encourage people to get used to hearing the difference between those voices because the Holy Spirit will guide you when you ask for it. Awesome. And Ed, you already touched on it, you know, yeah. but, but just, just. Yeah, I mean, I think that one thing that I would share that, that, uh, that at some point the Christian clients that I work with when we pray together and we are dealing with the spiritual part of this thing, we usually get to a thing that I learned from a dear uh, pastor named Jamie Winship and that his, who is with, who's been here a few times, is this idea in prayer and in the relationship with God of getting honest, right? Getting honest with God about what's really going on instead of praying kind of what we think we should pray, but really like, re like reading the Psalms and really listening to how brutally honest David is about how, how he feels. And, and it's that, it's helping people, and it goes to what you're saying, Jan, helping people to realize that, that, that we can't, and we can't do that without the Holy Spirit. And so a lot of times what we find ourselves, what I find myself personally and with clients praying for is like just praying for the Holy Spirit to give me hope, to give me even a desire to want to do this, to give me, you know, to give me some sense of the, the ability to reach out, but it starts with being honest with where you are, right? Because if, if you're in a dark spot, God wants you to be honest with him, he, and he can take it, right? If you're in anger with him, he can take it, right? And so it starts there, but like Jen said, it's, it's re realizing that we do have an enemy and that this is it's a real fight and um, that we can't do it without the spirit. Yeah, awesome. I have one more thing I just want to share, but would you guys give these guys a round of applause? And say, thank, you. thank you. So, um, band, you guys can come on up, but I just want to, uh, one last thought as, as Ed was sharing. Um, we, the gospel, right? Like that, that word gospel, uh, I, I wish maybe we would just call it what it is, because all the word means is good news. Good news, man. We got good news. If, I just want to say, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I got good news for you tonight. If you're watching this and you're not, here's the good news. God knows everything about you. Everything. He knows every sin you've ever done, every time you've hurt somebody, every time you've done something where you fell short, every time you've hurt yourself or you've demeaned somebody. He knows, he knows all of your fears, all of your shortcomings. He knows everything everything about you, and he's absolutely crazy about you. And he loves you. You. Not the better you, not the fixed you, not the one who finally got it together you. He loves the messed up you. 
that's, that's the good news. And so when, when John said, we've seen the glory of the one and only, it wasn't that he could walk on water or feed 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread and some fish. It wasn't even that he could raise a dude from the dead. He goes, the glory of Jesus that we've seen, the glory of God, is that he was full of grace and truth. And I just think the core of mental health, you guys, is in the good news of God in Jesus Christ. The good news that I could actually expose all of myself and not be judged because he judged all of my sin and all of my shortcomings in Jesus. And he did all of that in Christ and Christ took it all away so that God can just look at me and love me in all of my messed upness. And when I grasp that, then there's hope. And that's when we can be at peace and we can have the joy that he is going to transform us more and more into who he created us to be. So man, let's fight this fight of faith to believe. To believe in God who was revealed through Jesus Christ. He is a loving God who would do anything to love you, the real you, and to help heal you and to make you whole and to set you free, okay? So let me pray for us, and then we're going to worship this really, really good God. Father, thank you for truth in the midst of all of the lies and all the deception and all the struggles. Thanks for the truth. Jesus, we worship you because you're the truth. We thank you that it sets us free. We thank you that you are the light of the world that overcomes darkness. God, I just want to lift up every person in this room who, as Brennan shared earlier, who might be in despair right now, who feels like they can't get out of bed, who feels like they can't be who they know they wish they could be. And God, I just pray that you would help them to know that you love them tonight. Thank you for the wisdom we've received tonight, the reminder that we are physical beings that need health and maybe medication, that we are communal beings created in your image. And so we need relationship. We need help. We need support. You didn't make us to ever to do any of this alone. And thank you for the gospel, for the good news that you love us exactly as we are. Lord, help us who know that to know it more and more so we can give it to each other. And I just pray, God, that you would lead every one of us in this battle. As we're going to sing here, the battle is yours, God. If we would lean into you, you have the power to set us free. And I just pray, God, that you would do that for us, that we would know you, the one true, eternal, immortal God who has all power and all glory, all love and grace and mercy for us. And I pray you just pour it on us now. And I ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen.